Hi guys, I'm Brad Montgomery and welcome to The Breakdown. And here we talk about science, psychology, and investing. Today we're gonna to be talking about hurricane season 2023, where we are so far and where we could be headed. Before we get started, if you missed any of our past conversations, you can catch any of our episodes at kfoxtv.com forward slash The Breakdown and listen along on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Now, let's break it down. And we're here with Evan O'Regan, our CBS4 meteorologist, and we're gonna be talking tropics today. Mm -hmm. And first of all, I wanna talk a little bit about you, how you ended up in El Paso. I remember we had talked on the phone and we had talked about weather for quite a long time. Yes. And you, being an East Coaster, so me, Southern California, very few events, and if it ever happened, was a big deal. You literally grew up in New York. Yeah. And then went to college in Florida. Mm -hmm. So you talk about, you know, you get your nor'easters, your snows, your big snowstorms, and then you get your tropical everything mm -hmm. <laughs> down in Florida. Yeah. So what are some, really quickly, before we, we start diving into, you know, some of the nitty gritty on hurricanes and tropical systems, what are some of the things that you experienced or, or got the chance to forecast for in Florida? Well, in Florida, we got a few tropical systems coming our way, um, particularly in recent memory, we got a couple of systems last year. Um, of course, Hurricane Ian was a major one last year that hit southern Florida down in Fort Myers. So I got the privilege to cover that for FSU Weather, completely student-run weather show at Florida State. Great program, and that's actually one of the reasons why I'm here um, in El Paso is because of FSU weather. So um, got the chance to cover Hurricane Ian last year, and we also got the chance to cover Hurricane Nicole when it made landfall, very rare November landfall last year, late in the season. You don't really see hurricanes in November, but we did see one last year, so that was a really cool chance to cover that as well. So thankfully, Tallahassee was spared from any major hurricane landfalls when I was there, we only, like, only got weak tropical systems, remnant lows, um, but we did get the chance to cover those, so that was really exciting. And so, and how many years were you down there, by the way? Uh, I was down there for four years, four years. Um, with the exception of COVID. Um, went home for that year, but still got the majority of the four years in there. Awesome, awesome. Well, sounds like some pretty cool experiences. Yes. And Ian was, was just a, an unfortunate storm. Um, mm -hmm. From a meteorological standpoint, it was something to watch yes. uh, as it moved on into the coast. So we're going to talk about, one of the things we're going to talk about here are, um, what is a hurricane, mm -hmm. right? So, and, and there's going to be some components to this too, because there's extra tropical systems. There's right. our, our, you know, typical wintertime low pressure systems. And mm -hmm. so, uh, what, what, what is, what would be basically your basic definition of a hurricane? What are we looking at? So essentially it's a low pressure system forming in the tropical regions of our oceans. So I'll get into a little bit more of where that is in just a little bit, but essentially you're looking at the low to mid latitudes. So say around maybe 30 degrees to maybe 45 degrees, that's pushing it. But um, you could get anywhere in that range of where you're looking at for tropical development. So you need that warm ocean water, you need relatively moist air, you also need very minimal wind shear. We'll get into right. what that is yes. too in just a little bit. But essentially what a hurricane is, is that low pressure system in the tropical regions of our oceans. It could be in the Atlantic Basin, it could be in the Pacific Basin, it could be in the Indian Basin as well. And you can also get storms, of course, in the Gulf of Mexico and Caribbean Sea. We just had Idalia That's right. earlier this week. And that was a big deal. Yes, it was. Um, so essentially, you get that tropical system forming, that tropical cyclone, and 
it doesn't have any fronts attached to it. It cannot have any of those. If it does, it is not a hurricane, not a tropical system whatsoever. So it's also a warm core system. I know that's very technical, but um, again, it doesn't have that front, those fronts attached to it. Um, now, and you, you had mentioned, you know, 45 degrees latitude. Yes. It's really interesting, and I, I don't know if you've kind of, I'm sure you've noticed this too. Once they start to get north of like 45 degrees, mm -hmm. they kind of start to stretch out and yeah. a little different. Like they don't, it's not as conducive. Yeah, um, it's not. Once you get, and why, do we know why that is? I mean, I'm just, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those kind of just weird off things. It's not talked about often and they can maintain strength. Look, don't get yeah. me wrong. Obviously, you know, um, you've got hurricanes that have hit all the way up to, you know, New Jersey and, you know, New mm -hmm. York, but uh, Long Island. But again, they get this kind of elongated, kind of battered. Yeah. So I mean, I would assume it has something to do with just how the winds behave at the upper levels of, okay. of, of that part of the world. Right. Once you get away from the tropics. Right. Because okay. if you, I don't know if anybody has, has seen the current satellite imagery of um, Idalia, mm -hmm. it's extremely sheared right now. Right, the center right. of the storm is down near the southern portions of North Carolina right. off the coast there. And all of the thunderstorm activity is off to the northeast, and that's because the winds at the upper levels are just screaming. Yeah. So it's just tearing those thunderstorms apart and pushing them off to the northeastern side of the system. So that might have something to do with why systems get so elongated as they go further north. And so you mentioned a lot of the areas that see uh, hurricane and tropical development around the world. And there was something that was always fascinating to me when I was coming up in like high school and then started getting into college. And it was the lack of activity mm -hmm. in the Southern Atlantic. Yeah, that Super is funny. Interesting. Yeah. And for the longest time, they had said, I think it was Brazil, you know, we don't really have, you know, hurricanes, blah, blah. Right. And it was, you know, it was a good touristy thing to say. <laughs> but, but Mother Nature, it tends not to be, you know, does it ever happen or does it never happen? It tends to be how often. Right. does something happen. Whether you're talking about earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, mm -hmm. give it enough time, you'll probably see some somewhere, right? Right. So they had Katerina, mm -hmm. and I can't remember what year it was, but it was a hurricane, and it strengthened and it moved in to Brazil, uh, did some damage, unfortunately, obviously, but again, super, super rare. So you've got this big body of water south of the equator you know not where we think about you know the atlantic you think about of course the caribbean and virgin islands and, right but but no you have this the southern atlantic between southern the southern west african coast and the southern eastern coast of south america it is just quiet and it's it's bizarre the what i had when i had kind of i'd done a little bit of reading about it kind of some of the thinking is there's a little too much wind that's what I was going to say. Probably going the trade winds are probably too strong. Probably. And, and yeah. you know, with Antarctica being colder, mm -hmm. that may keep the winds going with that, that differential. Oh, Maybe sure. keep the jet a little more mm -hmm. consistent and stronger down through there. Yeah. So, but it is, it is pretty fascinating. Now, I want to pivot from that to, I'm trying to see where it is here on our list because we've got a whole bunch of things to talk <laughs> about. So, okay. So, since we're talking about definitions here, mm -hmm. now this is another area that gets tricky, okay? So the temperature that we need mm -hmm. to start forming a tropical system. Now, he, Evan mentioned, he's, he's totally spot on. You can't, I mean, people think it, it's so ironic because you think, oh, hurricane tropical system has strong winds. What do you mean you can't have any wind to have one form? Yes, exactly. For them to get their act going, for the thunderstorms to be able to build up vertically, 
and not get ripped apart or sheared apart as Evan was saying, you need calm conditions around that system yep. for it to really get going and really get wrapped up to, and to, to really get a, basically the maximum strength that it can get. <laughs> so they talk about, and this is, this is kind of interesting too, you keep up with weather and just the world long enough, you start to see kind of interesting oddities, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, what's the water temperature that they typically say that we need for development? It's around 80 degrees. Right, 79, 80. Yes. Right? And I remember, I can't remember what system it was, it started developing in like 77 to 78 degree water. Really? Now, yes, and it was a long time ago. In the Atlantic Basin? I don't, it was, I don't remember if it was Atlantic or Pacific. Okay. But it was interesting because meteorologists were very perplexed by it. It took a long time to get going. It wasn't mm -hmm. rapid at all. It took a very long time. Right. But some of the, the thinking at that time was maybe, <laughs> quite literally, they were like, maybe all the other conditions were just oh, perfect. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. So then over a long period of time, mm -hmm. it was able to get going. Okay. Yeah. But that was super interesting. But in general, it is, it's a pretty tight threshold yeah, in general. It is. And actually this year we're seeing those record oh ocean temperatures. Yeah. Ridiculously warm. Like when we saw Idalia form, it was over ocean waters that were about 85 to 86 degrees, and it was moving into even warmer ocean waters when it entered the Gulf. Those water temperatures were around 88 to maybe even 90 degrees in some places. And actually, we did see a world record fall earlier this year down in South Florida. 101.1. 101.1. Yeah. Ocean temperature. Imagine that. That's, that's hot tub water. Yeah. Unbelievable. You know what's, what's interesting about that? Um, I was reading an article, I don't remember how many weeks earlier, not too many weeks earlier, where they hit a record of 99 something, okay? Wow. And I remember, I and this is like, you know, I made a joke to somebody. Mm -hmm. I said, what, are we going to see ocean temperatures over 100 degrees? Oh, it and then literally, jinxed it. I jinxed oh. it. And then it came in, I saw the article and I was like, no way. <laughs> I was like, hold on a minute. I was like, hold on a minute. It was, uh, that, was, uh, that was just bonkers. I, yeah. I mean, and, and I just can't even imagine. And then, you know, they, they'd sent reporters down there. I think Ginger Z had gone down there. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, I don't even know what that would feel like. I mean, you're going like beyond bath water in some cases to toward, towards sauna water. Yeah, it's literally I mean, like, like you're getting in a hot tub. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Like, that's the temperature you'd usually see in a hot tub in your backyard. That's and what you used said to, 101. And I just, I can't imagine, I mean, I can't even imagine. What was, what was, so, I, and I got to ask you this because, you know, growing up where I grew up, mm -hmm. it was a big deal. Well, at the, at the time, in the 90s in Southern California, in early 2000s, it was a big deal if the water temperature was 72. Yeah. That was a good August day. <laughs> you went down to Seal Beach, Huntington Beach and the water was 72. Mm -hmm. You were, you, you struck gold, yeah. right? So yeah. now for the East Coast, mm -hmm. I know it's a whole different ball game. What's the warmest water temperature you've ever walked into? Ooh, anywhere, anywhere on the East Coast? Anywhere, just the warmest. Probably about 87. That's the warmest I've ever been, but that was down South in Florida. What did that feel like? It honestly, it feels great. Does it really? It does, yeah. Okay. Um, I, and, and I know that like water temperatures back where I'm from in New York, you get lucky when it's 70 or above, similar right. to, to California. Right. So feeling that water temperatures in the middle to upper 80s, it actually feels, it, and you don't you don't get cold either, so you, you can stay in there. You right. can just, you can, you right just go right in there, wow. don't have to worry about it, because most times when you're getting in the water in New York, 
you have to stand there and brace yourself yep, and just say like, okay, little by little. I can, I can do this. <laughs> yep. You just have to go in, yep. dive through a wave right. and then you get acclimated, but you get cold because the wind's still going around and yeah. it's cold in the water. So eventually like your limbs start going numb, yep. you lose feeling. That doesn't happen when you go down to Florida and you get those water temperatures in the eighties. You're just like, ah, I could sit in here all day long. So that's, it, it feels amazing, I gotta say. So so just really quickly, and then we're gonna get back to talking about water temperatures here, mm -hmm. right? So 80 degrees, 79, 80 for the threshold to form a hurricane, okay? Yes. So you're talking about warm water. I just remember the coldest water I ever got in, we had stayed off the Washington State coast. Okay. And I was the only kid getting in the water. The water was about 55 degrees. <laughs> I was the only one in there. I was, oh. I got, you know, when you're young, you don't notice temperatures, much, right, yeah. you know? So I got acclimated to it. I didn't really understand why no one else was swimming. <laughs> but then later as I got older, I think my parents had mentioned, we couldn't believe you were in there. Oh my I, gosh. You know, I just 50, around mid fifties. And I, that was. That's yeah. like, um, have you ever seen in, in New York, where they do the polar plunge? Yeah, oh yeah, for, yeah. And right in January, water temperatures in the forties. Nope, not for me. Yeah, I can, <laughs> that'd be a little scary. Yeah. Okay, so what, now some of the numbers that we're seeing this year mm -hmm. on hurricanes, Yeah, I wanna talk about, I wanna go over really quickly. The prediction was 12 to 17 named storms, mm -hmm. okay? We're up to about nine, okay, five to nine of those. So we're looking at 12 to 17 just named storms, no matter how strong, how weak. Five to nine of those to become hurricanes and one to four major hurricanes. Now this is an important point. And, and I know you, you, I don't think this is hit hard enough. You know, people, we, these forecasts come out, right? And I believe it's from the National Hurricane Center, is that correct? Yeah, they do, I, I, I believe it's actually NOAA. NOAA. NOAA does it, and then there are various other places that do it. I know okay. uh, Colorado, Colorado State yeah, does that's one. Right, they do one too. Um, Have we seen Colorado States? Is it, do they kind I, of coordinate now with each other? I'm not sure. Okay. They're around the same. Okay, they're, okay. they usually run pretty close. But yeah. but the, the thing is, no matter which one you see, like a lot of people think, oh my gosh, you know, this is the amount of hurricanes that are gonna slam into the US. No. You know, no. you could have five to nine hurricanes, one to four major hurricanes, and not one of them mm -hmm. affect the US. Right. So that's something, and I wish they would I mean, it's said every now and then. I think among meteorologists it's kind of taken for granted. But for the general public, I think when you're telling somebody you know, five to nine hurricanes, one to four major hurricanes, you know, from Brownsville, Texas, all the way around to the Cape, to Cape Hatteras and beyond, people get worried, you know, and, and maybe that should be stressed a little more. Mm -hmm. So that aside, now we're up to, I think, Franklin? Uh, actually, we have Jose. Jose. As early as today, so okay, that's, just, that's number 10 okay, for Jose names. Okay, Jose's number 10, yeah. so we're up to number 10 now. Uh, looks like we're pretty much on track. September, I guess, is the most active month. Yeah, we're that's entering peak season. 75% of activity is yeah. generally around September. Mm -hmm. So do you, what, what are we looking at? Are, are, have there been any, any like, I haven't seen any real forecast changes to this outlook. Uh, I guess the, the most recent one was they upped it. Yeah, that's like, what that I was, was gonna say. most recent, okay. Yeah, probably, uh, that's probably about a month or two ago okay. that they adjusted that and they, uh, they raised the numbers for this season. And we actually got off to quite a slow start. Probably El Nino, is that yes. what the thinking is? Yeah. yeah. Um, we're, we're transitioning this year. We've had three consecutive years before this year of La Niña's, and typically that will lead to more activity in the Atlantic Basin. Mm -hmm. This year we're switching back to El Nino for the first time right. since 2019, I believe. Um, 
However, that does not mean necessarily that we're going to have a below average season because right now it's forecasting for 30% chance of above average season. Right, right. And, and you know, it's so even if we go average or above average, it still can be pretty bad. And we yeah. have to see where we're going. As you, as you said, September is the most active. Uh, we're, we're looking at here too. It's almost like El Nino may have delayed the start. But don't get complacent. Um, right. and, and I know this is going to be one I'm going to ask, because I don't really know. But do you remember Hurricane Andrew? I, uh, you know, I, I, did you study it? Did you guys? We studied it a little bit. Okay, a little yes. bit. Okay. That was obviously a monster mm -hmm. of a storm. I'm sure you've seen some of the pictures in mm -hmm. Homestead. Yeah. I mean, it looked like a, a tornado, EF4 maybe, mm -hmm. that just came through. I mean, it wasn't just, it wasn't foundations left. But I mean, pretty close in some areas. Yeah. And I'm talking wind damage. I'm not talking foundations because almost swept away from surge. I'm talking, yeah. you know. And Hurricane Andrew, this is like the mid-late 90s. 1991. Early 90s, yeah. that's right, that's right. 1991. Hurricane Andrew was on a slow season. Yeah, it was. It was, on it, was an, it was the A name, and it was in August. Late. We just had the anniversary of yeah. it. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, so that, would, yeah, that, that says it exactly. We were, mm -hmm. we're all into August. A name, Andrew. And I remember... And, and that actually that year was was a good lesson for meteorologists not to get complacent right because there were some that were actually i think it was uh uh hope that who used to work at the weather channel an mm -hmm. older gentleman okay uh he was their hurricane expert at the time and he was one of the few saying hey we've been quiet all this time don't get complacent yeah you can't there's a real not a uh, it's, it's randomness is the wrong word but you literally can't get complacent there's there, there's there's too much of a random kind of factor, if you will, at play. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, Andrew formed and Andrew was devastating, and all it took was that one hurricane. And right. It was a disaster. It's just like last year too, because last year was a very close, and last year we were forecasting for a very above average season in a La Nina year, and I think I, I had uh, my internship at, at the Weather Channel last summer, and I remember we were getting like almost frustrated because we were like, where are all the storms? Because we didn't get any activity all through June, all through July, pretty much. I think we were on the C name by the time the internship ended in late July. And we were saying, where is all the activity? Mm -hmm. And I, I say this all the time, it takes one bad storm yep. to yep. make it a bad season. Exactly. Even if it's a below average season, it takes one bad one. And we did get the one bad one last year with Ian. That's right. And so, like you said, you can never become complacent. Yeah, and and what was the one that I'll never forget? I mean, yeah, Ian was was just just horrible. Mm -hmm. Michael, what year was Michael? That was twenty eighteen. Okay, that storm was awful. unbelievable. Inland, yeah, it was it was. I mean, there were people that were inland that were like, we never thought we had to worry about hurricanes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that storm, I remember, I actually went down. So I went down to Florida State in twenty nineteen. That's when I was a freshman. Oh, okay. And before that, my family and I actually took a trip down to Port St. Joe. That's around the area that was most directly impacted by Michael. It was a little down to the southeast. It made landfall around Panama City or Panama City Beach or Mexico yeah. Beach, East one City, of those. Yeah. Um, and we could still see a year later, there was still so much, a year later, there was still so much damage. You could see the trees that were literally snapped in half still from all the powerful winds and they were all in the same direction mm -hmm. and there there were still houses along the shoreline that were still falling into the water oh wow it was unbelievable so that storm was just historic and unprecedented you know it's funny it's interesting to me i 
so you've got different kinds of trees and it's you know you've got like the royal palms mm -hmm. you've got coconut palms and they'll kind of shed their leaves you know they're kind of acclimated to these stronger systems right and even some of the other trees too um live oak do okay you know yeah. they, they kind of do okay but it just amazes me you've got the, these and I'm, there's probably several species of pine in the southeast They've been there for how many years and they're not act they snap. I know, they snap like twigs. <laughs> they do. It's there was a video. And those are, the, those are the trees that were snapped over, was those yep. pines. Yeah, and, and there was a, even yesterday. Uh, yeah. For, just as we're recording a day after Idelia. And there was a, I think a lady, she was shooting out of her home and one of the pines started to snap mm -hmm. in Florida and it hit the other side of her house. And yep. I mean, it's just, you'd think by now they would have adjusted a little bit in their growth habit, but, but I guess not. So, a little slower to the punch there. They, they are. So now, um, so the areas that typically experience tropical development, it's going to be the Gulf Coast, mm -hmm. uh, and the Gulf of Mexico is super interesting because it's it's a lot of it is outside the tropics. Yeah. But it's such a shallow body of water that it heats up very readily yes. in the summer. Okay. Now a lot of people wonder why don't you see more tropical activity on the West Coast? Well, we actually are cooler, much cooler in terms of water temperatures along the West Coast. And that's actually one of the reasons why Hillary did not maintain its strength when it went up the coast towards California a few weeks ago. Water temperatures, I believe, around the California area or the Southern California area during that time period were in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. So oh that God. is not conducive for tropical development. Um, and the reason why, I, I do want to touch on why it actually went and took that very strange and anomalous path mm -hmm. straight up the Baja Peninsula, um, there was a very strange setup. We had uh, we had a trough off to the west, and that so on the right side of a trough in the northern hemisphere, it'll steer it up, mm -hmm. and you will it'll it was actually aided by that with a ridge on the other side. So both of those helped steer that up the Baja Peninsula and into California. The counterclockwise, so the clockwise. Yep. And well, we were feeling like the ridge. Yes. Here. We were feeling yeah. the heat from that ridge. And that ridge, it was, I believe it was, we were actually on the edge of that ridge. We were on the edge, that's right. Um, but we were still feeling it. And I remember, uh, I think it was that same time where that ridge was centered over places like Kansas. Yeah. And they the were seeing, they were seeing heat index values of 135 plus. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine that uh, kind of heat? Yeah. Unreal. I can't, I'm surprised there were not more fatalities. Yeah, me and too. I'm, I'm That's the number one killer is yeah, heat. heat. Yeah. One of the top killers. So, and so for the West Coast, really quickly. Yes. The San Diego hurricane of 1858, most damaging. Mm -hmm. Last tropical storm was Long Beach storm of 1939. I, I know a little bit about this because growing up out there, this is kind of my my area, if you will, and, and the lack of is the colder water. So in order to get one there, Southern California has kind of this weird window of August, September, and it's it's not even every year, of course, not even every decade, of course. But it, it has to be a, a fairly strong storm, and it has to get pulled up fairly quickly mm -hmm. so it can't weaken fast enough that's yeah. how you get one into southern california so it's got to develop farther south where the warmer waters are on the west coast not they're not as far north as the east coast develop farther south and then it has to get whisked up quickly yeah. before it can really fall apart that's how you get one into socal that's why it's not so common 
they are lucky in that sense that, yeah. that water does help protect them a lot. And that's exactly what happened with Hillary, though. Yeah, literally. Is it is it formed down in the warm waters of the Eastern Pacific, and it became a Category Four. Yeah, it was strong. It was it was <laughs> an absolute buzzsaw. If you saw it on satellite, you would think that is an absolute beast of a yep, storm. It was. Um, and then, of course, it got whisked up very quickly. I forget how fast it was moving, but it was probably around 20-ish miles an hour. Uh, probably at least. Because yeah, that's last, very fast for a tropical two, system. two, three days, it was, it was going. Yeah, it, it was, was flying. That's very fast for a tropical system, by the way. It's 20 miles an hour. Um, and it was whisked right up there right before it weakened. Yep. So yep. Yep. Surprised that's how we got it. Surprised a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, so really quickly, I want to talk about one of the... Um, Strongest, stronger ones. You can't, you can't like go out, go out of this without kind of an honorable mention kind right. of thing. So uh, we've got. Used to be you'd hear about Typhoon Tip as being mm-hmm. one of the stronger ones, yeah. and it was in 1979. That was actually in the Western Pacific. Okay, we're talking uh, not the Eastern Pacific over by the Mexico and the U.S. and South America. We're talking Westpac. Western Pacific is the Asian side of the Pacific Ocean. Okay, but then Hurricane Patricia came around, and this was in 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking about winds of 215 miles per hour sustained. <laughs> unbelievable. Un- just, just unbelievable. Oh. And and I'm going to actually uh, get a picture to our producer here because when you see the eye of this, and I'll just show you really quickly, I mean, yeah. just a pinhole. Of Doesn't get eye. better than that. It's almost. It almost reminds me, was that Wilma? Wilma, yeah. That, that had, has that. When I think of pinhole eye, yeah, I think Wilma. That was just an amazing storm. I mean, I, I, to, to have one of those coming your way, I can't even imagine. R- riding it out wouldn't even be on the table at that no, point. <laughs> absolutely not. No, for sure. Well, okay. Well, it was great um, talking with you, Evan. We're, we're going to do some more weather topics, I'm sure. Yeah, thank so, you for having me. Now, you really quickly. Um, I do want to, there are a lot of people that are interested in, in this and want to find out some information for, or even safety information for family in other parts of the country. Um, wh- where did you guys, where did they kind of send people, you know, with you going to school in Florida, what were some of the things they would tell you guys to, to send people to for information on? The number one website you can go to is the National Hurricane Center. That's okay. where you can find everything tropical, everything that you want to find out there, they have. Okay, awesome. Literally everything you can imagine, um, from everything from public advisories to forecast discussions if you're weather nerds like, like the two of us. Um, <laughs> and you can also check out NOAA. That's another great resource. Now, does National Hurricane Center have any model data, or does uh, NOAA have any model data? I don't believe they do. Okay, they don't. Okay, just but forecast discussions and, and yes. safety information. And if you want to get into some model data, okay. some places you can do that. Tropical tidbits. Tropical tidbits, number one. <laughs> And pivotal weather. That's a very yeah, good good. option as well. Awesome. All right. Well, again, hopefully to have you hopefully have you on again soon, Evan. Thank yeah. you very much. Um, and it always you can always before we forget, catch him on our sister station in the mornings on CBS4. If you enjoyed this conversation, make sure to comment, subscribe, and share it with your friends. You can check out our past archive of episodes on KFOXTV.com or listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for breaking it down with me, and we'll see you next time here on The Breakdown.